All right. So, Mimi, you made it on the podcast. I did make it on the podcast. What's up? Nothing much. Have you ever been on a podcast before? I don't think so. Not don't. like this. This is like a legit... Does filming reels count? Uh, no. No. Okay, then no. No. This is like... The intention is to be like a real podcast. So you're going to monetize it at some point. Yes. 100%. I'm not doing this for free. That's right. Well, I'm just kidding. I think I'm doing it for free. I'll, I'll enjoy it. Yeah. How long do you think it's going to take you? We had... A six-month goal of getting 5,000 subscribers on YouTube. And that does what? So once you hit 10,000 views on your YouTube channel, that's when you start monetizing. Per video? No, like altogether. If your channel gets 10,000 views, then you start monetizing. But that's it's like terrible. very like small amount of money. But if you feel like if we get 5,000 subscribers, that's 5,000 people, and then we could just start get the ball rolling from there. 5,000 subscribers is way more than 10,000 views. Yes. Okay. Yes. How many? Oh, wait. You don't start until October. November 1st oh, November is 1st. when all this is dropping. Oh, we'll I will need be. need our Instagram to start. Yeah. Start yeah. We'll get that going in like okay. October and start will, posting a bunch of reels. I will be on a plane that day. So yeah, that'll that's be right. fun. You're going to? Argentina to get to Antarctica. Antarctica. So you yeah. kind of just threw yourself in our question, actually. Yeah. That day, I'll be like, oh, while I'm on a, gosh, I think it's going to be like 25 hours. Well, you'll be, be a long time. you'll be able to listen to it on the plane. Are you sure? Yeah. I guess I have to download it first. Yeah, you probably would. They don't have Wi-Fi on the plane? You got to pay for it. Oh. You got to pay either a set fee or per hour. Okay. Well, maybe we'll launch it like... October 31st, and then you can download your episode, and then you that can works. listen to it on the plane. That works. And then we can give you homework while you're on vacation. That's yeah. fine. Or just give her a flash drive. Yeah. One or the other. That works. But it'll give you something to do on the plane. Okay. So why are you going to Antarctica? It is my, I say, coup de gras, or the final birthday trip, rounding out a series of traveling continents. So it's the last one, and then from here on out, I get to kind of decide and be a little bit more free-flowing. And I made a commitment to hit every continent. So seven years, seven continents and, on my birthday. And this is the last one? This is the last official one, yep. So what does one do in Antarctica? I will have to let you know when <laughs> I get back. Currently, it's an 11-day cruise on a – it's like an expedition cruise mm -hmm. line – that explores different parts of Antarctica and it teaches you about nature and that's about it. That's about all I know. I will be kayaking, paddleboarding, polar plunging, uh, camping on the... Um, so there's one night where you can camp literally and sleep on Antarctica and not the boat. So I've decided to do that. And you're doing this by yourself? Or yes, uh, by myself. Wow. Yeah, so every year it is solo. What is the temperature supposed to be like in Antarctica in November? Better than March or April. Supposedly November is like the best time to go. Okay. It's like peak season. Because that's like the southern hemisphere, so their seasons are opposite. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be really cold. I have a packing list, and they said they provide a lot of stuff, and then they, as part of the excursion, they give you things to bring home, like a parka and just like different things that have their their company on it mm. not quite sure i imagine it's gonna be very cool 
the whole time. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine. I would imagine. What made you decide to like, like do the? I understand the the you wanted to see every continent, but Antarctica is like, I don't know. It's just different. There's there's no civilization there. There is not, which is why it was saved till the end. And it was also saved because it was the most expensive mm. out of all continents. And I think it was a, so eight years ago, because you have to throw COVID into it, I got separated from an ex-husband and was like, I spent a lot of birthdays giving up time to someone else, mm. right? So it's like sometimes in those moments, it's just so critical and you see, wow, a lot of my life is no longer there. What am I going to do? And it was a little nerve wracking because it's like, I'm by myself. What do I do? Like, who's going to support me? Mm -hmm. Who's going to take care of me? Although I, you know, I took care of myself. Although mentally I was like, there was someone always there to, to be a part of my life for like six years dating and then married. And I was like, wow, I don't know what to do with myself, but I don't want to be here. And every birthday was spent, I remember a couple birthdays before being spent like figuring out what other people wanted to do. And I didn't end up being very happy. Mm. One year was a, what was it? It was a hot air balloon ride. I really wanted to go. And on my birthday, we drove two and a half hours away to get there and it was canceled because of weather. And I was freaking pissed off the whole time, like whole birthday. I'm crying, I'm angry. I'm like, why couldn't this go right? <laughs> and I was just so upset. And so we did, ended up doing it later. And I was like, I don't want to ever feel that way again. Like, yeah. I don't want to ever feel like my birthday is not what I want to do, making someone else happy, although that's not what I should have been thinking anyway. So my first birthday, I left. I was separated. And I was like, I don't want to spend it here by myself. It kind of sucks. You know, he's kind of with someone else. And I said, let me go to my favorite place. So I went to Honduras. So I count that as my first one, which I count as North America. Okay. Right. Central America is, is, North America is North America. Not many people know that. Did you know that, Austin? I do not. Do you know where Honduras is? I do not. She's putting you on the spot. <laughs> I do not. Where do you think it is? I don't know. <laughs> I've been on a mission trip before. To? Uh, Dominican Republic. Okay. The, the, uh, the bad part of Dominican Republic. Yeah. And that's an island. This reminds me of the reels where people don't know where things are. Yeah. Have you seen those? I have. Name... Five countries that start with C. Five Austin. countries that start with C. Cuba. Okay. Uh, China's my country. Yeah, China, China is, China is, China is, is a country. country. You get two. You get two. Uh, it starts with a C. It starts with C. Yeah, oh, they, they, they all start with C. Z. Czech Republic. That, that, there you go. Okay, you get three. Oh, man. Do you need to phone a friend? No. Uh, yeah, help me out. Croatia. That. Canada. Damn. Colombia. <laughs> that was so easy. I don't know why. Oh, that was so but these easy. people, it's tough, like, when you're on the spot. So yeah. Central America is connected to North America, and then it connects South America. But it is considered the continent of North. And so right. I was like, and that's just how it started. And I was there, and I spent time with all my boys for, like, two weeks. Did nothing except crochet, speak Spanish watch mm -hmm. sports and walk around okay and i was really happy because i just did what i wanted to do yeah and when you say your boys who are you referencing um i work for a nonprofit. i volunteer for a nonprofit for about 14 years so since 2008 and i traveled to honduras to see them so these boys are impoverished 
kids with not a lot of future because their parents don't have a lot of money, but they are highly intelligent. Mm. And so this organization gives them a chance to get education as well as almost like business savvy life skills to be able to then become something more than what their background has allowed them to be. Wow. So I spent time and there was like 25 at that point and they're all just hanging out. So they're in school during the day. I'm hanging out with some of them that have school at night and we're just chilling. How long were you there for, for the first birthday trip? About two weeks. Okay. About two weeks. That's really cool. Yeah. And they planned like a huge surprise dinner. They said they planned it for like, they knew I was coming for a couple months and they were so low key all day. And I'm like, okay, well, great. This, we're not doing anything. I'm paying for a dinner for them to go out because they don't have any money to go out. So we just did a dinner. I'm like, this is perfect. Like, I picked my day. They're not going to surprise me. I'm good. We got back to the house and they made this whole video montage. They came out and sang, which they like doing anyway. And they came out and gave flowers. And one of my boys gave me a book, uh, The Alchemist, which I already read. And it was just so sweet because that's a very impactful book if no one's read it. And then someone drew me, like, a painting of myself. And I was like, wow, this is perfect. And I was bawling the whole time. (laughs) This is your birthday, right? This is my birthday. So I realized this is super special because it was with who I wanted to be with, and it was me dictating what I wanted to do. And so after that, I think I just decided, someone says, you should just go everywhere. And I said, yeah, I should go everywhere. Let's just make it seven continents in seven years. I'm like, this is perfect. I don't, like, it came about that way. And so I did. That's so cool. Yeah. So where did you go year two when you're like, all right, this is, this is what's happening. This is what we're doing. Year two, I forgot how I picked it. Oh, there was someone I knew who talked about Amsterdam and how cool Amsterdam was. Mm-hmm. Right? Haven't either of you been? I've never been. I've never been to Europe. Europe. I've oh never been gosh. to another continent. I don't this think I have you. either. <laughs> I've only been to North America. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's surprisingly easy, and I remember getting a flight, and I was like, score, my flight's like 600 bucks. Like, this is really nice. And so I said, I'm going to Paris, and then Amsterdam for sure. And I was like, okay, we'll just do Europe. So let's plan like a two-week trip and figure out all the places I want to go, and you just kind of make a route. And it was my first time planning like a really big trip by myself with a route, like actually having to plan travel. And it takes a lot of work, and it's a little nerve-wracking. And it was going to be my first trip out of the country, not on a missions trip or service trip of any kind. Because I've been to Cambodia. I've been to Taiwan with family. I've been to Central America and to different islands. And I was like, I'm a little scared. Mm. And I told my mom about Paris. And she said, this is like Paris is the only place I've ever wanted to go in my life. And she was so excited. She's like, I'm, she was kind of jealous. And I was like, well, why don't you go? And she said, your dad hates Europe. <laughs> Although he's never been. Oh, my he's, gosh. He's like, it's landlocked. So he's like, he just has no desire to go. He's like, meh, give him an island, give him some ocean, give him some fish, and he'll be good. That's like my dad. He'll go to the islands, but he won't travel anywhere no. else. Like, does he like being in the water or just seeing water? I think just seeing water, just yeah. being around it. So water can do that. And she was just so sad that I was going. So I was like, do you want to go with me? So actually... Only two times has my birthday in the last eight years been spent with anybody other than myself, and it's been with my family. Mm-hmm. So they're the only ones. Nice. And we went there, and so then I invited my sister, and I said, let's make it a girl's trip. Yeah. And she said, okay. <laughs> so we did, and they were with me for only ha- So the key part was they could only be with me for half of the trip. The other half was mine. Right. So they were there at the beginning, and I planned all the 
the routes with buses and then my routes with planes. So we landed in Paris, took a train to Amsterdam, spent a few days there, went to Belgium, spent a few days there, went back to Paris. They left. I went to Barcelona and then I went back to Paris. Wow. All kind of in about two weeks. And do you, do you plan like a year in advance and start saving here and there, putting money away for the trip like a year in advance? So that trip, I was really blessed because my parents paid for most of it. I think because they were like, you're going through like life, um, I wouldn't say dilemmas, but back then it was like, your life is turned upside down, let's help you out. So <laughs> they paid and it was kind of like a Christmas gift, a birthday, Christmas, yeah. my sister's birthday gift. Mm -hmm. So you do have to plan a little bit. If they had not helped, it would have come out to be about maybe 25 grand. Wow. 25,000? No, wow. 25, oh, 25 grand, sorry, 2,500. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was no. like, oh, my geez. I don't even know what I'm saying. That's a lot, man. I don't, yeah. don't want to travel no. that much. And we stayed in, like, Airbnbs. We stayed cheap. You know, mm -hmm. you just kind of hoofing it. So, 2,500. Yeah, that, okay, that's not bad. Sorry. Not bad. My most expensive one is this year. I did South Africa for, like, 3,500. That's what I did South Africa for. That is for. actually my... Supposed to be next year's trip. I heard. My grandpa. You told me. Yeah, yeah. My grandpa's from South Africa. And are you already planning it too? Um, I believe they planned it. I'm not 100 percent sure. I just know that we. I'm just not going. Just like leveraging it out before he gets too older. Before yeah. he gets too old. Yeah. yeah. From Swaziland. That's where he's from. Wow. That's awesome. Does he speak Afrikaans? Yeah, he he actually tried to teach me as a little kid, so I could be my second language, but I never I never stuck with it. Looking back, I wish it's I would have stuck with it. Yeah, that would have been pretty cool. Not many people speak it outside of South Africa, mm. so it'd be tough to keep it up. It's called Swaz... What's it called? Swazili? Swazili? No, some, some weird. I don't know. Uh, sounds right. Swahili? Maybe that. Oh, I... That might be it. That, that sounds right. It might be it. Sound right. It sounds right. Yeah. Well, I, I have two follow-up questions for that. Okay. One, traveling on your own, you know, how... like. Does that make you nervous, like like traveling on your own, being on your own in a totally different country with people that speak different languages for that long of time? And then two, it sounds like like your birthday trip has like really become like a very like protected time. And it's like it's just for you. It's like kind of like a sacred time. This is just me. I'm doing it for myself. And I feel like that is something that could be very hard for people to do. How did you like get in that? like mindset like this is this is it i'm just doing it for me no one else you should probably have asked one question at a time yeah both of those were a lot <laughs> but i i wanted to get it out because i do i'd forget one of them if i asked the first one okay perfect so we'll have to someone will hear will remember it yeah but the the first one like traveling on your own how do you like feel safe how do you go about that first one was well honduras was very easy because i knew everything about that place and I feel really safe there, although it is not known as a, like a safe place because mm -hmm. of the gangs, because of violence, because of like the government. And, you know, I was back there when the coup happened and everything was like shut down in 2009. So it was really interesting to see that happen. And people couldn't get out because the president, something happened and I, I can't remember anymore. And it's safety wise, I've never felt unsafe logistically sometimes it gets nerve-wracking to like have to travel to different places if you don't understand and you can't speak the language although most people speak English so that ends up being a lot something that you're just like wow way easier to overcome 
So I've never felt unsafe, although I know a lot of females just take precautions. So do guys. So it's like if you know where you're going, like just constantly be alert. You really mm-hmm. don't want to, you know, be too inebriated. Yeah. So on these trips, I don't actually do anything. I don't drink a lot, if any. And I just that way I can just fully enjoy it. Yeah. Like really fully enjoy it. Yeah, I feel like the logistics thing would give, like, a lot of people anxiety with, like, the amount of setting up. I, I got to set flights here, here. I got to book hotels here, here. But you find that a lot more people speak English than you expected? Yeah, a lot of people speak English. That's good. So everywhere I've been, yeah, even in Vietnam they spoke. Or you just realize that, your like, hand signals work just fine. <laughs> you just point. You know? Right. So, okay. Yeah. So that's, okay, so first, again, very safe. It all depends on where you are too. And logistically, if you're not good about planning and you're worried about safety, then you do just get someone else to help you who mm-hmm. likes to do it or pay for you know, what, those travel planners. Mm-hmm. They do it all the time and they can pick the best place mm-hmm. because in the moment I've never, even though I have been like the minority in a lot of places, I never see myself that way. And so the one time that I guess I was a little unsafe was when I flew in. It was like 2 a.m. in South Africa. My hotel was beautiful. I saw Table Mountain and everything. But down there, it was like sketch. There was like drug addicts on the street. Oh, man. And I had to go get food. But I, we had security guards at our, the building, and they're just like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I just got to go down the street. And to me, I was fine. But I think looking at it later, you're just like, I don't know if I picked the best spot, but the hotel was nice. <laughs> what, what part of South Africa you was in? I went to, I wrote this down. Because I actually traveled. When I go to places, I don't sit still. Actually, Brian can tell you I don't sit still, period. So. <laughs> okay. So when I was there, I went to five different places. I started in Cape Town, then flew to Addo, which is where the safaris are, which is where the, um, the animals, there was an elephant park, and I really wanted to see elephants mm-hmm. on my birthday. So I actually went on a safari on my birthday and got to see everything that day. And then I drove. So from Addo, I drove all the way down the coast back to Cape Town. And they drive on the left side of the road. Mm-hmm. So I learned very quickly how to drive where I was supposed to go. Yeah. But I drove and I was like, on the roads, there were monkeys or baboons everywhere, ostriches just running. Oh, what else? There were just things all down the road because it's just dirt roads. Yeah. So I'm by myself and I don't see anyone for like hours. Yeah, in Cape Town. Is Cape Town or Johannesburg, which is real nice. Cape Town is really nice. It's, and it's like a lot of people are like, their skin complexion, a lot of people don't think South Africa skin complexion, people in there are really light. They're British. Yeah. Not and really. they're really rich. They are. Mm-hmm. Johannesburg is. Isn't that the, the dangerous city? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's the capital, if I remember. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I used to work uh, back when I was in high school at a golf course and a lot of the guys that also worked in like the bag room with me, which is like where you grab members clubs and you set them up on golf carts for them in the morning. You get like the whole Mm -hmm. T sheet, see who's up. And they were from South Africa. Wow. Yeah. And they would stay there, um, for like six months and then for the golf season. And then they would go down to the sister club in Florida for the other six months. And they were just working here on visas for like two years at a time. And, sending money back to their families. And they're like, the money here was like really good compared to over there, I guess. But they were like all from South Africa, which is cool. So I got to learn about uh, that. It's pretty nice. It's, it's a lot bigger. So what you realize too when you travel is you're like, oh, U.S. is pretty small, you know, compared to other places. And we think the United States is the 
biggest thing in the world. Mm. So you go from one side to the other side and it takes like three days. Australia, I think, is the same size, if not bigger than the United States. Mm. We're similar. And so you just don't think about that. It takes six hours to fly to the middle of Australia <laughs> from one side. Because I was trying to go to do most of it. And I realized in two, two and a half weeks, you can only do one side of Australia. Wow. So you just realize how, in comparison to other places, we are nowhere near it. So South Africa is just as big. Like, it is quite large, and I didn't think so. And so when I was planning my trip, I was like, wow, I actually can't hit as much as I wanted. And I drove like three or four hours every day to get to where I wanted, laid over for a day or two, and then just like kept driving. Yeah. Wow. Stopped a couple places on the coast, and that was one of my most favorite trips ever. Well, South Africa? Mm -hmm. To this day. Now, who knows what this next one will will be, but it's, it's my favorite. Was it freaky driving at all? Yeah. I remember on, because you're sitting on the other side, and South Africa is mountainous. So when you're driving, you're literally on sides of mountains, but you're looking over like this. And I'm just like, you can do this. You can do this the whole time, like driving around people. But most of the time, there wasn't a lot of city. There wasn't a lot of mountains. It was just dirt roads, and it was the coast. Hmm. So you ended up, I ended up being okay. I don't even know how I got a rental car, honestly, because they didn't, I thought I would need to prove more, like, I can drive this way, but I got it. And I'm like, okay, you just have to drive really slow (laughs) out of the city (laughs) and into the next city. So it was just a little, it was interesting. I learned a lot and it was good that no one else was there to be like, I can't do it. Right. I was like, you just got to do it. Yeah. You're literally putting yourself in a situation where you have to. Yeah. You're like, okay, you just have to, you just have to focus a little bit more. Wow. And it was a lot of fun. I haven't done it since. That's what's up. And I don't know if I could. I look back, I'm like, wow, I was, I was really strong. And I'm like, I don't know if I'd do it. That's pretty badass. Yeah, it was. And so I just drove down, and in planning, sometimes you plan for things, and then other times you just have to let things happen or build in days of, like, spontaneity. But I knew that I wanted to swim the sharks, and I wanted to see elephants. And then along the way, I found this bridge. It's, like, the second tallest bridge in the world, but the tallest for bungee jumping. And I said, okay, let's do it. I just, like, drove on this bridge and bungee jumped. Dang. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's crazy. Dude. It was. That was a lot of fun. And then I almost freaked out. So what was interesting was, in that moment, I realized you can do anything if you know how long it's going to take you to do it. So I watched like 100 people, not 100, maybe 50 people jump before my time was called. Mm-hmm. And I counted the seconds between jump. And it was, it was 60 seconds. That was it. Actually, it was 30. And then 30 to be like pulled up. To be raised back yeah. out. 30 seconds. I was like. Anyone can do something for 30 seconds. Yeah. So I kept saying that the whole time. I'm like, it's just 30 seconds, maybe. It's just 30 seconds. That's all it is. They're like buckling and they're just like, okay, go. I'm like, okay. That's terrifying. It was. Do you like roller coasters? I do. Okay. I get a little motion sick now more Mm. than I used to. Do y'all? I I went to Disney um, the first time when I was in like sixth grade. And I went on Mount Everest, that roller coaster, which is an animal kingdom. Is it still there? I believe so. And it goes backwards through the dark. And I, we went there early in the morning, and I didn't eat anything yet, so I don't know if that had something to do with it, but I got, like, sick on that roller coaster. And I did not feel well. So, like, from, like, I don't know, 12 years old to last year, I, like, did not like roller coasters at all. But then when my cousin and my brother came down and visited and we went to Carowinds, they're like, we have to do Fury. So I was like, all right. 
And that was probably the closest I've ever been to passing out. I've never passed out before, but like my like limbs, like getting on this thing were like completely numb. I was like short of breath. I was so sweaty. And then as soon as we like dropped like a flip, like a switch flipped and I was like, whoa, yeah. like put my hands up going crazy. But so I think I like roller coasters now. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a roller coasters fan. I'm yeah. still not. No. But if I'm, if I'm in a line, I see like a girl or a little, like an eight-year-old, nine-year-old in the line. I'm like, man, if they can do it, I can do it. <laughs> so see, I, exactly. I if they can do it, I can do it, and I just close my eyes and go. Yeah. Do do you have you done like a lot of thrill-seeking things? I have. I actually wrote that on the list too. Fantastic. Um, and sometimes it's, you just have to think about it because it's like that was the first time I bungee jumped, and I had cousins who had done it. I think in Taiwan, and I was like, wow, why have I not done this? So you've done it more than once now? No, I still haven't found, like, I think that's a hard one to beat. So, actually, I was supposed to do it in Europe when I went, but we didn't go the Switzerland route when my family picked it, because my sister also wanted to see, I think, Belgium and Amsterdam, so I said, okay, we'll go that route. So Switzerland, you can actually jump off a cable car (laughs) over between mountains. So the cable car takes you into the middle of this, like, giant ravine and you bungee jump off the cable and it's still on my list so that was actually my supposed to be my first and it's it's still there but that would be really cool that's like something where you jump and then you get back up and you still don't feel completely safe no because you still gotta like get the cable car slow just keeps on going but yeah i think also because i was there and i was gonna like just fly over to switzerland jump and then leave was it wasn't open in november because it was too cold i think they have like a window of time and mm. that just wasn't it i was like okay i'll just come back a different year yeah so that was actually supposed to but no one bungee jump i went cage diving with sharks when i was in south africa and it was actually with an organization in Mosel's bay that um, talks about how sharks should be protected because they're being hunted mm. so it's actually like a conservatory and they raise a lot of money and awareness for protecting them because they're like beautiful creatures and they need to be feared, but they're also, you know, they're out there. It was pretty awesome. So That's crazy. Yeah, we got to see a bunch of sharks that day. So you just get into a cage and you're like breathing down. Um, like great, great white sharks? Yeah. Yeah, I think we saw like maybe 15 that day, different ones, and they're all named, they're all tagged. Wow. Yeah. So it's really cool. So I did that. I learned how to scuba dive in Honduras on a different trip. And it was just like a January. I just wanted some time there before a, a volunteer trip. And I was walking and they said, you want to learn how to scuba dive? I said, okay, I got time today. I didn't have any, <laughs> any plans for like four days. I was just going to be um, walking around. And so then they taught me. And then so I just kept scuba diving for days and have been doing that ever since. So I've done that in Aruba, Australia. So that's why I went to Australia. Was to scuba dive the Great Barrier Reef? Great Barrier Reef. How was that? It was... It was... Did it live up to the hype? No, it didn't. I could tell by the yeah, way you said like, that. I, it was it was overhunted, and it was supposed to be spawning season, so all the coral was supposed to be blooming, and the water was supposed to be like iridescent, and it just didn't happen because pollution had... Yeah, it's like t- shrinking, right? It is. It it's is. It's kind of sad. So the guy was really sad when we went on the boat. I did stay on a boat for a few days just to scuba dive. Wow. That's cool. So that was fun. And I'm like, well, if I'm in Australia, I better scuba dive that. And then I helicoptered into the Great Barrier Reef in order to scuba dive. Wow. And snorkel. It was just an excursion. 
And then you've skydived too, right? Um, like multiple times. 11 times. <laughs> yeah. You're a daredevil. I am. <laughs> that is actually quite true. My parents are extremely scared. And all of it happened like later in the life, although I've wanted to do it. I think it was, I was always that way. Mm-hmm. So I think there's just moments in life where you got to remind yourself that part of living is to experience something new. Yeah. So we're at, we're at trip number two, right? Then we got, you got the next oh, year. yeah. So you went, you went to Europe. <laughs> like, do you, it's going to take forever. Do you, know, do you know the order? Yeah. Okay. What was, the, what was the order? You don't have to break each one down, but what was the order? So it was North America. Then it was Europe. Then it was Africa, right? Because Africa is the continent, and I picked South Africa. And then it was Australia. And then it was, ended up being Aruba because of COVID. So that was 2020. And I was like, I got to get out. It was the only place. So technically, that's back to North America. Right. So we just count that as like a gap year, let's just okay. call it. And then the next year was Peru. And then last year was Vietnam by way of Japan. So Japan was like a 24-hour stopover. Mm-hmm. And then this one. Which so Japan was Asia. Right. Wow. Yeah. All in, well, technically eight, eight years. Eight years. That's crazy. Yeah. That's like a lot more than so many people do in their entire life. It is quite true. Like, I think the blessing is it's not about, it's actually not more expensive than if you were to set aside money. You know, if you count it four grand or even five grand, what you would need to set aside per month to do that is actually not, not too bad. Right. Yeah. I remember we had that conversation one time because I was asking you about like, like it just seems so expensive, right? Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's not as much as you would think it, it is, you know, if you actually sit down and kind of plan it out. Yeah. Vietnam was actually one of the cheapest, and the flight ended up being, I think, 800 850 I found a good flight, because I had to go through Japan and stay in Japan for a day, and I said, okay, twist my arm, I'll stay in Japan for yeah. a day, but they have this really cool app, so my friend has lived there for like four years, so I messaged him, and I said, how do I do this, and he couch surfs, so you can get inspired by other people, I've never done that, because to me, I'd rather pay a little bit extra for like my own room or luxury. But Couchsurfing is a website where you can, it's all free. You can find people in different countries who offer up their home as like a homestay, but they don't charge you anything. Wow. And so they can either offer you a bed, a room, a floor, or something. Because they want to share the experience of their hometown with you. That's so cool. And anyone can be a host and anyone can be a guest. So I said, you everybody's know like verified though, right? Yes. So they can, I asked, cause I was like, how do you feel safe? And I was like, have you ever had like any encounters that made you uncomfortable? And he said, yes. And he's like, I don't get, you know, get out there. And it is easier for men to, to be a little bit more safe. He's like, I find it's easier with couples or people with kids because they just really are like, it's a home environment that they just right. want to share. But you can look at reviews. They'll review you as a guest and you as a host. And so the better your reviews are, the more likely people are going to stay. Yeah. Yeah. But it's all free. They don't charge them uh, anything. Yeah, I just pay a little more extra. So I do. But <laughs> over there, he, I was like, how do I get around and what's the price? And there's two things that he told me. One was called Agoda, and it's an app that has to do with hostels and hotels. So you can find, like, a hostel with a you know, shared room or shared bathroom for, like, $3 a night. Three U.S. dollars. Wow. And you can splurge and spend $20 for a hotel room that's, like, four stars. So I splurged and spent $20 a night and I would have like my own room. They'd have breakfast, um, a continental breakfast downstairs. Oh yeah. And over there it's just different. And then they have these Ubers, but they're, it's called grab bikes and you're just on the back of a moped 
or back of a <laughs> motorcycle and they're just riding you around, but it's so cheap. That's like a dollar. Wow. To get places. So the dollar is just different over there. And I was like, wow, this is super helpful because it makes your trip fun and at the same time, like cost effective. Yeah. It sounds like depending on where you go, the, the bulk of the expense ends up being the flight. The flight. And if you go with someone else, you get to split rooms. Right. So you actually could save a little bit more by doing that. You know, if you have a, a taxi, then it's like both of you are in the taxi or different things. So. so if I was watching this video and I want to know how much it costs to, on average to go to a different continent, how much money do I need to set aside to go, go to a different continent? How long are you going? Um, let's just say seven days. It's going to be about the same, honestly, because the hotel room is not much. I would say if you're going by yourself, I would say four grand. So I'm going to say about four or five thousand. Yeah. I want to go out the country to it. Yeah. And if you want to have and be able to have experience while experiences while you're there. So if you're just going to go, you can actually it's just your flight. Like, honestly, you could find a way to do everything else. And of course, food. Hmm. If you want to experience what it means to be in their life, you may have to pay more because there's things about it that you just need to pay for. Right. Tours that you can pay for cooking. Um, I did one. It was like a motorbike tour in Vietnam. Actually, it was my last day. And I was like, I don't have anything to do. So I'm walking around town. And a guy comes up and is like, you want a tour? I said, no. <laughs> He's like, it's just on the back of my motorcycle. We ride around the country for like three hours. I'm like, no. I was like, it's a little <laughs> sketch. And he just kept following me. I'm like, I don't feel good about this. But then another guy walks up right after and says, you want a tour? I'm like, no. He's like, look, I have reviews. This girl, he, and he showed me pictures of her and videos of her. And she's American. Yeah. And he's like, she left me a review. Look at this. And it was literally the day before. And she wrote down her phone number, her name, her email, and said, he was so good, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay. <laughs> so I literally hopped on the back. And it was like three hours through the countryside. We saw, what is he? We saw a coffee farm. We saw a female Buddha statue. We saw an elephant waterfall. We saw people making rice noodles. We saw people basket weaving. We did a bunch of stuff in a couple hours. And I was like, then I got to be at the airport. He said, okay. But it's just things that you, are, you open yourself up to. And it costs like 40 bucks. You know, dipped a little bit more. It's just you, you do need to bring extra money just to be able to say you can do that. Right. Otherwise, you just walk around. And that's fun, too. Like just walking around and seeing people, talking to them. And you don't have to spend much. And it makes the experience better since you're already there. Right. So someone that has traveled the world here. You know, there's different things that you can do in each country. There's different things that you can do in each continent. But is there kind of like a general criteria or checklist that you would say if someone was to get out of their comfort zone, go to whatever country it may be that they have to, to do to get like a full experience? I know cultures are different, but is there there's something that you, you have to do in each country or continent that you're in? That's tough. Although where I start, so before I go anywhere or once I pick the place, then it's about, I just Google like best things to do or top things to do. And then you find people, you know, you find TripAdvisor, you find you know, Expedia, you find those lists where it's like people pay to be on it. And those are actually really nice. I find the ones where it was solo travelers or people who do travel blogs that say, here's what you should do and here's how. Mm. And then I kind of go down those lists and I say, the more things I see or pictures, then that gets kind of added to mine. And then I filter from there. Yeah. So okay. that's better because people have done it. And then you look at the ones that are more recent. 
in case the ones that are older just aren't there anymore or aren't as good. Yeah. Cool. I, I asked that because I believe in July, and now that we put this out there, put some fire Ooh, to the feet of my yeah. parents here, uh, be going to Ireland. And I've never been out of North America before. Like, out of the country, I've been to Canada so and then, like, the Caribbean. But that is it. Is so. Mexico and South America? What? Is Mexico and South America? No, it's in North America. Okay, yeah, I never it's, been to Yeah. You've never been to Mexico? No, no, I've been to Mexico, but I didn't know if it was South America. No, North you, America. you just need a passport outside of the US, USA, but it's still okay, North cool. America. Yeah. Yes, yeah, North America guy over here. Yeah, me and you both, dude. We gotta, we gotta take the podcast international. Uh, yeah, and go on a world tour. We gotta hang out with Mimi boys. <laughs> you, sh- you could February, I think. Oh, probably not February. Well, February yeah. we're going to Vegas. Vegas, so probably June, like you, normal. Do you be gambling? I don't gamble that much. What I do is actually funny. I'll walk around to the slot machines and see if anyone's left money, and then I collect the money that's left over. I was just they gonna, walked away. So. I was just going to say that when we went to Michigan, not this that. past summer, but the summer before, we went to a casino, oh. and Mimi disappeared. She was walking around all the slot machines. Like Krusty Krab from SpongeBob. Yeah. Penny pinching. I just think it's so funny. I'm like, that's actually the fun part of like looking and seeing like if someone left like 30 cents, because to them it didn't mean anything. And then eventually, I think last time... we. We went to Vegas, not this time, two times ago. At the end, I think I collected like 20 bucks. I, believe I did gamble more than that. Right. And I was like, well, 20 bucks. I believe I saw a stat last year. It was like in Vegas, it was like 700 and something million dollars unclaimed. You know, like over like 10 cents, people be throwing that away. I believe it. Uh, 20 cents, little, little vouchers. Mm-hmm. And they just throw them away because 20 cents, people really? like nothing. Well, wow. they don't let you claim it until you hit. Like a, a dollar? Mm-hmm, I think it is. So they won't pay out on the machine until it's so much. So then people just either toss it or give it to someone else. That's why they leave it in the machine, yeah. you know, because it is hard to collect. Yeah, just leave it for the next guy. Almost a billion. See if they get better luck. I know. A billion dollars of unclaimed money. Almost a billion. That's crazy. I believe it. Are you Are you going to come to Vegas with us in February? Uh, y'all going to sponsor me? <laughs> uh, no. Oh no. Oh no. How much would you recommend? Because I said that my goal is to put aside $5,000 for Vegas. Is that, like, excessive? I Wouldn't it be better to have more than less? Yes. Okay. For sure. That's a good point. I kind of want to fly first class to Vegas. And technically, nothing's excessive. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The way you can, so what's interesting is because miles don't, and I don't know much about miles, and I'm still learning, that the Better use of miles and points is on international. But you can get cards for domestic airlines that actually would help you get first class paid for, right, because of bonus points, such as American Airlines from here, Delta, United. But American Airlines is just the hub here. So if you got an American Airlines credit card and got, like, the 60,000 bonus points, you probably could fly first class for free. Hmm. So so let me ask you, since we were talking about Vegas right now. Oh, boy. I know y'all are going to the event in Vegas, the whole reason. In February. Yeah. If I were to go to Vegas, but didn't go to the event and just so happened to go at the same time as y'all, would y'all look at me a certain way? I wouldn't look at, I'd be happy that you were there. And I'd say, let's do a podcast while we're in Vegas. But I'd be like, why wouldn't you just go to the event? Because the event's $1,500. 
No, you can get the ticket for like eight hundred. And I, I think I'd rather spend fifteen hundred dollars. And see correct that. me if I'm wrong, Mimi. Our team always does a great job of putting out incentives to be able to earn that money back by investing in our coaching and development and all that good stuff. Yes. So every trip, work related, has incentives that you work on afterwards, and it pays back probably your whole whole event. Yeah. Or I, hotel. Or I got the the Michigan, like paid for. Paid for. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So. For the viewers out there, she's the director of operations at High Performance Real Estate Advisors. That's High Performance Real Estate Advisors. <laughs> and we'll see you at the closing table. At the closing table. Well, that's something I wanted to ask, too. Um, did yeah. you ever think, like, growing up, that you would have a job where you're running a real estate team? Oh, no. Whoever thinks they're going to run a real estate team. Or even, like, a, if you're an entrepreneur, you think of something that everyone else thinks of, and yet you don't realize how hard it is to start Actually, starting is pretty easy. Keeping it going, building it to be better. So, no. Like, heck no. Not even anywhere near my thoughts. I wanted to be a dentist. A dentist? That's what I wanted to be. And then couldn't pass uh, AP Chem in college. And I said, screw this. <laughs> and then I found Honduras. And so I was like, I'm going to go into nonprofit. Or the, like, um, what just called, it's like human services. Mm -hmm. So it's the industry of helping people, whether it's in a nonprofit function or organizations that help that way. And then I realized there's like no money in it. And I'm like, that's a lot of energy spent. Cause I spent a lot of time working with family services, volunteering at schools, and realized they work so hard and get paid very little, not even paid what they're supposed to be paid. And I said, I don't know if that's the life. And I came back here to Charlotte and said, let's just figure it out. And then you know, God connected me with Thomas. And I realized that money does more good when you have more of it. Mm. Like, it just really does. Say that quote again. Say money does more good when you have more of it. That is a good one. So less money, less good. The more money you have, the less bad people have. That's true, too. Someone else said that, didn't they? Uh, yeah, I forget who said that. It was. Wait, wait was it Dick Dillingham that said yes, that? Yes, oh, yeah. that's okay. who said it. That's okay. who said it. That's yeah. who said it. It's true, right? Get all the money, do good with it, do better, and then it's okay. You know, there's a purpose behind it. So I realized I would rather have the opportunity to make more money, to help more people, than just give up my time, be exhausted, be unfulfilled, be drained, and then have to give that up anyway. Right. You know, and a lot of people in the nonprofit world, they don't last. They're getting paid, you know, maybe even 30 grand, 35 a year, like very little, but they're they're on call all the time. They're emotionally, you know, tired. Even like the people at DSS, you know, who have to deal with like family abuse or kids in foster systems. And I worked alongside some people there and you'd ask them questions and it was just rough. That's hard. It was, it was hard. So I did some home visits and things in college. And I said, oh, I don't know. I got the degree anyway. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just one of those things too where it's God puts you in the right place. And... This job does a lot of good. I would certainly agree <laughs> okay. with that. Yeah, I definitely would. So what was your role when you first started? And then, like, what do you do now? Just for the people that, that don't really know. Because you've kind of, like, blown up. Oh, you know, Yeah. I started as Thomas's assistant. So usually they call it executive assistants or assistant executives. And it's just like an EA. So anything that he needed done that he didn't have time for, I just did it. Right. So it was very simple because it was just him and one other agent. And it was just like putting all his business cards into his CRM. And I forgot what it was. I think it was, you know, KW CRM. 
and making some calls or finding the best deals on like paper and building this for him. And I can't even remember. It was so long ago because he didn't even know what he needed done. He's just like, I just have too much stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And evolved from that to becoming like a listing coordinator, to becoming the transaction coordinator for listings, to then taking on buyers, to then hiring other admin and doing some marketing, event planning, and now really working with like sales team and sales systems after all the years. And that's about it right now. And it's kind of like a combination of all that. Nice. Yeah. You wear a lot of hats. I do. And it happened through evolution, so I think it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, because I would say that you are definitely one of the most, if not the most, disciplined and organized people that I have ever met. Like, when I look at your calendar, I'm like, holy crap. Uh, Brian looks at my calendar, too, to see where I am. (laughs) It's a lot. Like, it's a lot. How do you you have the – because, you know, not to – not to breeze by it because everybody that's listening doesn't know like like being involved in a transaction in real estate being a transactions coordinator is a lot you know making sure that marketing is done correctly is a lot training the salespeople is a ton and coaching on them that's got to be emotionally draining too so like how do you have the discipline to go ahead and be like all right i'm gonna do all this throughout the day follow it and then still, like, enjoy my life to the fullest outside of work? I don't, I don't see it as separate. And I know that it's, it could be because of the way my brain works or the way I've realized that structure allows for more creativity than you think. So if you have too much space to, to fool around with and not a lot of plans, a lot of action doesn't come from it. So it doesn't give, it doesn't breed a lot of uh, production or at the end, something that you want. And so to me, that's almost like the biggest sin is to leave like a, lead a really unfulfilled, unproductive life with nothing to show for it, either for yourself or to society or to like other people. So the structure actually gives me space to say, okay, because I can do all this, I actually have the freedom in my mind to not have to worry about it so I can... I can enjoy other time. And you realize you don't need as much time to enjoy things if you're purposeful about the time that you spend doing it. So it's like you create space for it. And if you have too much space, you're actually more lazy. Like, have you ever found, like, if you have a whole night to do nothing, you're so unproductive, where if you just gave yourself an hour or two, you'd be just as happy, yeah. right? Yeah, I get that. I def- that's pretty powerful, too. The whole, the biggest sin is, you know, living a life unfulfilled and not contributing anything yeah especially if you can right if you have the ability to do it then you should is this something that you've always been wired that way or is this something that you kind of molded and developed as a strength over time organization yeah being that organized and disciplined to get things done i'm pretty sure everybody would say always (laughs) like always even in middle school even in high school i don't really think elementary school but Maybe I'd have to ask my parents. I would have like a calendar before there was technology and you could do it on computers or phones, like before laptops existed. And you had like a home computer with dial up. All I had was paper. And so I would block out my days. And I remember having like the weekly calendars with everything highlighted. And so my class schedule would be highlighted for the whole semester, blocked out, like homework time, 
and I worked two jobs in a couple years in high school after school. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I did. I worked at the daycare at Northside for a few <laughs> hours, and then I went straight to Dairy Queen for, like, four more hours. So it was, like, three hours and four hours every night, and even on weekends, because I was, like, I didn't want idle time. Like, I didn't need, I didn't have any homework. I didn't want to just sit at home. So I'm, like, let's go make money. Let's go, like, learn something or do something. And just always, like, really blocked out in time. And I don't need a lot of downtime to be fulfilled. And that's different for everybody. So mine is like all kind of like culminates in a birthday trip where it's like all the downtime. Like mm. It's spent literally, you know, waking up at 6 or 7 a.m. and just being out and about like all day. Yeah. And then coming back, being tired, but happy. And then doing the same thing the next day. That's cool. Yeah. That's a lot. It is a lot. But it's cool. I like that you you think of it that way is where I take my birthday trip, which is like two, three weeks. And that's my downtime for the year. And then just get back to it. It is. It's all about how you, you prepare for things as well. And to me, if, I, if it's not scheduled, I get really antsy. And it could be OCD, honestly. Because I think my brain just doesn't know what to do. You just have too much stuff. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Wow. So one of the things that you do is coaching yes. for our team. Yeah. And you coach Austin and I. Sure. So Austin sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Not as much. She don't ever coach me. He asks <laughs> questions. Well, I think you need coach. Yeah. Like, what about the 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 like the weekly meetings you guys have? We go through like the playbook. That's that's coaching, no? Kind of. Kind of. It's not it's not intentional per mm-hmm. person, and yet I would say that's just training. Yeah. Different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, either way, we get to spend a lot of time with you throughout the week, that's and true. throughout. The, the last year that Austin's been here and then, like, the last year that you've started kind of, like, doing this accountability coaching with me. Yeah. So kind of like a, like a selfish question here. Where have you seen growth at, out of Austin and I in the past year? We'll start with Tyler since he's been the longest. No, start with Austin since me? he's been here the least. The least? Okay, you start with me then. Okay. I was like, you rock, paper, scissors this thing too. Yeah. <laughs> and Austin. I feel like I didn't start talking to Mimi until, like, I was three months in. It is interesting how, like, your perspective of people shift once, like, because they first come in and you think of them one way, and sometimes you don't even remember how you think of them, right? Mm-hmm. I can imagine, like, probably both of you feel the same way about me and other people on the team because you just have a perspective and you have, like, a goal. And I remember the question again is, what's the growth yeah. that I've seen? I don't know if... Austin was different to begin with. And I can say Austin does ask a lot of questions and is and very interesting ones, like very <laughs> unique ones. And I don't know if I saw it at the beginning, but you're just so, I can't think of the word right now. You're just curious. Like, just curious. That sounds like a real estate agent to me. Asking questions is. Is, is big. My mom hates, you know what's crazy? I used to ask so many questions when I was little. I'm my mom's, my dad used to say you have three questions. No more than three. <laughs> to after, you? Yeah, after three, I think you're the FBI agent. <laughs> <laughs> you're wired for sales then. I was, I was like that since I was a kid. Yeah, sales are just like curiosity. I think people who ask questions are, are highly intelligent people because they have, they're open to other people's thought process versus just their own. Yeah. Did you like me when I first started? I didn't really hang out with you, right? I, I didn't feel like I didn't talk to Mimi. When I was when I first started, or yeah. you really? No, no, we didn't really hang out until you were like three months in. Yeah, about. 
yeah. four, four months, three months. But I was on the other end of the office for that time. I feel like all lead agents was weird. <laughs> they were all weird. Yeah, you did have like a group at that time of a lot of ISAs. Yeah. yeah. Right, a lot of unlicensed ISAs, all like learning the business and like being super passionate about what they thought real, real estate was and having to weed through that. So yeah. I think you were there just like grouped together with everybody else. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. Oh, no, I do remember the client event because you won something with Savannah. And it's like, oh, this is Austin. He's starting. I'm like, oh, okay, that's awesome. Like, see you on Monday. <laughs> yeah, y'all threw me into the fire. It was like that. And then the, the, the Tuesday team advance. I was like, y'all was crying. I was like, what kind of team is this? Oh, yeah, team advance, too. You weren't yeah. at my table. I think you were on yeah, I was the with, other side. I was with both of, all, both of the criers. It was, it was Lucy and Malcolm. They were crying. <laughs> I was like, man, what kind of team is this? It's my second day. Yeah, we get vul- <laughs> get vulnerable, man. On my second day, like forty eight hours in, it's growth, every day. Growth lies in vulnerability. That's probably been one of my biggest takeaways. Yeah. Too from being on the team. Were it, you not vulnerable before? No. 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 I definitely had like an ego in high school and in college, where like I would not be open to, like like when I was like class president, like if someone presented something, um, to go about it like a different way. And we already had like so, like a plan in place. I would just like shut it down immediately. Be like, no, like we got it. Like I get it, and like we already have something going. And that was probably like my ego too, because mm-hmm. like it probably partially felt like I was being attacked by someone like presenting an alternative when we already had a plan in place. So then I was like, I had that for sure. Now, like from being on the team, you definitely see like the vulnerability and like where so much growth like lies in that and it's okay to be like more open with people, which is cool. Yeah. That's, that is interesting. Cause I don't think I noticed that from you to begin with. Cause I think it was so new that you couldn't, you wouldn't last if you didn't allow for vulnerability or being wrong. Yeah. Because clients or potential clients make you wrong all the time. Right. Yeah. All yeah. the time. All the time. Yeah. yeah. So growth in him. <laughs> Are you just saying the last year or the last two? Since the first day you met Tyler. I don't remember the first day we met. I remember my second day. Uh, Shannon was in there for like an interview, and we were going around the circle with all the lead agents. And you were asking like questions, like, "Does anybody else have any questions for her?" And then you were like, "Tyler, do you have any questions?" I was like, "No, it's my second day." Oh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. That. I literally have no idea how real estate works. No. No, I don't remember that. That is funny. I, gosh, that's a tough question. Because I have to remember the beginning. Because I can, I can see the, the difference. I think you, I mean, the concept of real estate is, is tough. Like, even the things you think about or have to think through, like, you're in your head just, like, moving stuff around to get pieces to stick and work with closing dates, repairs, or all that stuff. And you caught on really quickly, and you still can hold and retain the information that you learned at the beginning to continue, like, building on it. Mm -hmm. Because it's tough. Like, it's a lot of details. It's a lot of, like, mental gymnastics is what someone called it. I'm like, oh, yeah. A lot of bending, a lot of, like, movement, a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And, yeah. There's, like, a ton. Just from, like, learning how to, like, give someone a tour of our office to having conversations on the phone to, like, actually selling real estate it's a lot of stuff you have to learn actually no i can think of a better one you don't hold on to your mistakes as much as you used to 
Mm. Like when you make a mistake or someone doesn't like you or if a situation isn't going as well, it's not a, like, I have to hold on to it. What's wrong with me? They didn't like me. And it, you bounce back a lot faster. You used to get in your feelings when you didn't thought of listening or something? Yeah. Way yeah. more than, and then like if a client had an issue or, you know, feedback is, is hard, you know, especially if you're like, I believed I did everything I could and to be open to like, Someone else has a different perspective because, again, we don't know everybody's feelings yeah. as much as we th- we think we do. And I remember it was it was tough. Like you'd seen on your face for a lot longer. Yeah, constructive and, criticism and stuff. Get like really stressed out about things too. Like really stressed out. Like if a deal was falling through, and just like I don't want them to feel like I'm doing a bad <laughs> job. <laughs> like I'm really trying. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely feel that too. I'm a lot less stressed well, now. I'm glad you manned up. Yeah, <laughs> that is the Austin way of saying it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just they be sugarcoating it, man. Man up. I know. That's what I you know. should have told them on your second day. Man up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good point. Probably okay, next time. Yeah. Next person on the. I felt like you was mean when I first saw you. It's possible. No. I, I was like, I was like, I don't know nobody. She, I don't want to. She, she's the head honcho. Director runs a team. Let me stay on my side. I was kind of hurt when um, when you were going to start coaching with us and, like, Brian wasn't, like, in charge of us anymore. I was, like, because I spent, like, that first year with Brian, like, yeah. all the time. And I was, like, dude, what? I thought I had you for my first 100 deals. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Brian's your dad, bro. No. I hope Brian watches this, too. Oh, no, Brian, he might. Yeah. He might. No, Brian's going to be on us soon. Oh, that'll be interesting. That, that, that will be interesting. Yeah. It, coaching the agents got me back more involved in that side that, you know, I don't think I knew you as well before. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Austin, just being on that side of it because I was so involved in the other side. And they all kind of, they all gel together. Yeah. And since I feel like since you run the team, it's good to know somebody um, on the outside of work, outside of real estate on a personal level as well. I don't know what y'all talk about coaching. I'm pretty sure y'all talk about personal stuff as well. We coach on a lot of personal stuff, I would say. I think they, they both matter. Yeah. Yeah. Just like a sports coach, basketball, football, it's good to know your players outside of basketball. For sure. On outside of, yeah. I mean, the yeah. biggest thing that, like, not, I wouldn't say, like, the biggest thing, because you've definitely helped me with a lot of things while I've been here. Um, but, like, figuring out, like, my you know, my student loans and breaking that down with me. And like, you're losing money here. Like the fact that like you and Thomas are willing to sit down and like treat our money, like your money and be like, you're losing money here. You got to get rid of these student loans. You got to pay these off because you can do X, Y, and Z with this is like, it's pretty awesome because I don't think a lot of people that employ other people would spend that time. Be like, as long as you, you know, check in, do what you're supposed to do. Great. But now I've been able to share that with, like, other people, too. Yeah. And, and like, they've done it. Yeah, yeah, which is cool, you know. And, like, the interaction from just sharing that on social media, too, being like, hey, you know, this is how much money I was losing in my car payments. Or not car payments, in student loan payments when I was putting it aside to save for a house. And just kind of, like, comparing that. You know, a lot of people don't think about money that way. And the fact that we coached on that outside of real estate, outside of what makes HPREA money – is it's pretty cool. I appreciate it a lot. Yeah, and I didn't even do it's 
I think what coaching I learned a long time ago after being coached through a, a lot of different high thinking people is it's just about questions. Like as ridiculous as that sounds, it's not science. It's not rocket science. Like it's not anything special. You just need someone to bounce off ideas who can contradict a little bit because when you only talk to yourself, like you're always right. Yeah. And you're yeah. just like, yeah, like this is my best idea ever. But it's the only idea I came up with. You know, I have no other perspective versus like talking to other people who either have more life experience or just anyone else who's willing to challenge you, let you know that either your idea is really sound or could be better. And so why waste your time on a, a good idea when you can have a great idea? Yeah. Right. Or great action plan. Because saving money for house is amazing. Everybody should save money. And what else is hindering you from doing that? Because it's like you're pouring water into a, or a, was it? You're pouring water out of a lifeboat that's still the hole in it. <laughs> so you're yeah, just kind of yeah. like, well. Which is exactly what yeah. I was doing. But you don't think of it that way until someone puts all the you know, pieces in front of you. Right. Right. And I was telling Austin, I was like, you got to do the same thing. Yeah. Pay I mean, off those. Yeah. My student loans is very under average. Yeah. Yeah. I've had this one year loan. It yeah. wasn't even for school. It was for my apartment. Your other one? I had one. Okay. For, uh, yeah. yeah. I got my school, have my school paid for. I told them that I need school financial stuff, but that was good to go my, to my apartment because North Carolina JUCOs don't cover housing. So if you're watching this and you do North Carolina <laughs> community college, you need to cover housing for student athletes. They won't pay for it. No, just North Carolina, which is weird. That is Just weird. North Carolina. My Georgia school, everything was paid for. I had to transfer to North Carolina. You got to get your housing. Housing was on me, hmm. which was crazy. So I hope they see it. They need to change that rule. Yeah, they should change that rule. Yeah, when this blows up, they may. Exactly. They when may. we go viral. Yeah. We made a deal with, a la- the, with uh, Kyle last night, who does the exotic car rentals. We're like, when this gets 5,000 views in the first week, you got to give us a discount to drive the Lamborghini. And he Yours. said. He shook on it. Okay. Yeah. If not, if we don't do it, I'm still we still going in though. I wanna, yeah, I want to drive that lamb truck. <laughs> regardless, regardless. You know what's crazy? You know I was in UNC Charlotte when I first started with the team. Nobody knew that either. You're still at school. I was. I, I transferred to UNC Charlotte for a semester. You're finishing school. Didn't know that. I didn't finish. Oh, I mean, you're <laughs> finishing the semester though. Yeah, yeah, because I already paid for it. Okay. And I was like, I joined the team, and I was like, bro, I'm, I'm, I need because I used to leave. I used to leave the office, go straight to school. I either went to school or I went to to deliver like Walmart deliveries, make some side money. Tyler, are you finding this out just now? I remember he went to UNCC, but mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't remember that. It was while you were here. Yep, because I started October. Interesting. Yep, I dropped, dropped out. Yeah, and I was like, nah, that's not for me. That's okay. I never got a side job while doing this. Thank God. What? Never. How are you paying your bills, dude? It's tough. He also lives with his his cousin, which is true. W- way more helpful. Like, yeah, to my be able rent to was seven hundred bucks. Yeah, so I needed. Bro, I was everything, anything, not everything. I was doing some. I had to do anything, make some money though. Yeah, I used to leave the office, like DoorDash or Spark Delivery, come back. Yeah, I was, would well, you do that even if you didn't need the money? No, no, no. Now I don't do it. Okay. After my first closing, which took four months, I, I stopped. Yeah. Mm. No, no, no. I stopped after the ISA bonuses. Okay. I got the like 1500 $1, Yeah. I stopped that. Yeah. Mm. 
I remember like some nights I would leave work like within like my first six months, like crying and just like call my mom and be like, I don't know, like I can't make any money. And she'd just be like, you got to keep doing it. Yeah. Just keep going. So glad I did though. Yeah. It's no, it's, it's tough. Like I can see why people, the hard part too, it's like the double-edged sword where you tell people to have enough money saved up for six months. Who in the world saves enough money for six months? Like nowadays. And what job can you save that much money? (laughs) And not have to use it, you know? So it's like, I totally get it. For people transitioning out of like higher paying jobs, like you're gonna have to put a lot of money aside or have a spouse or have roommates. Like it's a big deal. And I don't think people logically, it's hard to conceptualize Mm -hmm. that it's gonna take that long because no one wants to wait that long. And then so people start eating into like their savings and it's not okay. Like no. they're just, they're not okay with it because they're not fully prepared and to not have like a side job. So I get why it's so difficult to get into real estate or an entrepreneurial because at least that feels like a slow bleed because you might be getting a little bit of money. But real estate's big checks. Yeah. Do y'all, um, it is. Do y'all still do the $1,000 bonus for format six? Nope. No. No? Okay. No. We realize sometimes what you realize too is, I was about to read an article today and I didn't yet. It was about how you, you shouldn't always incentivize with money because money is short-lived. So there's better incentives that actually produce longer results. I haven't read the article, so I can't tell you, but that's what the <laughs> subject said. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fairly accurate because you want to teach people a skill that's not based on just the money coming in because the skill should be more important. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And so I'm people were focused on the, the too low of a goal and they weren't getting to the big money and they never got to it because they couldn't overcome that they were just kind of stuck there it wasn't a launching point it was a they got stuck and it could have been the way we presented it honestly it could have been the people in that role it wasn't the right fit for the people who got it right they were more goldfish they were more like i'm good with a little bit i'm good with just surviving right than being able to like you get comfortable with that because you figure out a way to live off of it yeah i kind of i kind of have my own opinion on that though What's that? The $1,000 bonus. Because honestly, I don't think, if I would have never got that, like the first $1,000, I don't think I would have still be in real estate like the time. Well, you didn't know that. Because I was, I was, like I told Brian, I was like, I did the four Mets on my own. Mm-hmm. And then I, it was 10 after that. I believe it was four, 10. 20. And 20, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I got the, after four, I was like, Brian, I need you to count these as a mat. Because he wasn't going to count it because of my, my parents. <laughs> he was like, I'm going to take care of him. I'm like, no, I need, I need to get the money. Oh, he wasn't going to count it just because it was your parents? No, he wasn't going to count it because, um, because they weren't ready to sign yet. Oh. But he, I don't know. He was like, I'm going to take care of you. I was like, nah, I need to see it in person. Mm. I need to do it. But I ended up getting away. I was doing it. Nah, fine. you do. You would have been fine without but it. But the thousand, it's, it's after working 30 days, yeah. 45 days without getting paid, it's good to see some money coming oh, in. Oh, yeah. Well, you're also still like an entrepreneurial person where like even if you didn't get it I'm sure you would have figured it out yeah you know not everybody has that mindset where like I'm gonna go figure it out thousand dollars did help though yeah I mean we used to pay people at at one point you know two thousand or twenty five hundred or five hundred you know like we've done all different iterations of it and it's not about the plan it's about the person yeah. that comes in and sits in it because we were offering $2,000 salaries and they still weren't hitting it. Yeah. Wow. And it's because they were comfortable. Like a lot of people we found were comfortable with 2000 a month, like just comfortable. 
because they're just like scraping by or they had someone else kind of just yeah. there but they weren't willing to go to the next level so you're just paying out for mediocre results gotcha. even if they're doing you know four minutes or six it's like that's not ultimately how we get paid either right right so the company makes no money on mets mm-hmm. yeah yeah you make money on clothes on clothes right just like y'all don't and then you can't build the final experience and the referrals and the clients for life without that end piece yeah so it's almost like if you you got to have short-term goals and you've got to be able to learn how to focus on the end. Right. And so if you teach people to focus too short, someone's like, Tyler, you're running a marathon. Like people have to get to a point because you have to jump through. Like you can't settle. You're not settling at a 5k. Mm-hmm. I settle at like a mile. I'm like miles. Good. I'm good with a mile. I will always be good with that. And if I was going to run a marathon, I can't have the mindset of a mile runner. Right. So if you're going to the close, like you can't have the mindset of I'm just going to meet them. Yeah. Like you've got to go deeper into it because gotcha. you got to build a different skill. Yeah, exactly. Because it is a different skill. Way Between different. just getting someone to have a conversation with you face to face to actually like, okay, you can sell my house. Oh, yeah. And put it on the market and run this whole thing for me. Yeah. It's way different. That's Absolutely. Good. Y'all, I believe High Performance one of the only teams that even did that incentive anyway. We are one of few because people realized it was not working. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody's tried it. Yeah. So we're not, like, the first people to try it. We're not the first people to take it away. Mm-hmm. We're not the first people to bring it back. Like, we've done all of it. Yeah. And it's, it's still figuring out the process. And as things change, like people or the market or, uh, you know, just different things that come in, like, technology or what society's like, you've got to adjust again. Yeah. Yeah. And you, I mean, you're about to be a licensed agent anyway, so it doesn't even matter. No, I don't. I'm glad now. Yeah. I had to do what I had to do. Yeah. First 90 days was hard. It was good. Yeah. But then I almost quit, like, seven months in. I'm glad I didn't. Most people do. Yeah. You, like, everybody, we talked about in the first episode, like, everybody hits a wall at some point because it is tough to have, a, no matter, like, what you're selling, a commission-only job can be tough. Yeah. Although I also think that if you're not, questioning anything you're doing you don't truly believe in its value mm-hmm. right like if you don't question the job if you don't question me then there wasn't enough value for you to even ask mm-hmm. right. right if you don't question a relationship whether you should be in it or a partnership or have this thing or that thing or be in a house or be in that house or sell it it's, then you fully you haven't looked at like the whole picture to make sure that you actually made a good decision yeah i, I literally was like mom how can you help me get another job and she, and she was, said she said I can't do nothing but you need a college degree she was like my hands are tied so I was like uh, got no other option yeah. <laughs> yeah burn the burn the bridges burn the boats yeah no going back but I mean that's what got me through was like there was no incentive my incentive was sell a house and you get paid <laughs> <laughs> you know and you have people just supporting you along the way going yeah I've been there too yeah I mean a ton of a ton of support for sure since you've been on the team for like 10 years, you was basically, you and Thomas opened it together. How, how many people have you seen come and go? Gosh, I actually just found someone online the other day that I remember helping. And back when it was Elrod. And she's like, you, y'all changed my life. And she actually went through a separation because of me. Like a, a good separation. And I was like, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't even know that until yesterday. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you and Thomas have had a fantastic impact on a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, it's, you get people thinking and it's not easy and it hurts. And sometimes you, you, I 
wouldn't say repair. Like you, you walk away from a lot of relationships for a bit until you come back to them or till they come back. Yeah. Right. Friendships, business partnerships, peers. I remember you asked me a question one time that I did not like the question at all. When, <laughs> I when, don't even remember when, when you, when you asked it to me, or it wasn't even a question, I guess it was just something that you said. And I was like, wow, I really don't like that, but it's the truth. And it was like, if you are not honest about the way you're feeling with some, somebody, like you're not being nice. And I'm like paraphrasing. I don't remember the exact way that you said it. Or like, if you're, if you're not being honest with someone about the way you feel with them, to be nice, you're actually not being nice. It was something like that. That sounds familiar. Yeah. Brene Brown has a quote, it's clear is kind, unclear is unkind. And so you're actually choosing to not love someone when you choose to hold back the truth Mm -hmm. or hold uh, to comfort them, right? It's that comfort with a lie versus hurt you with the truth. And I've learned that because it's it's that feeling. It's like, I don't want to have this conversation, which is my trigger to say, holy crap, this is a conversation I need to have. That needs to be had. And it's, it irks me. Like, it's just that feeling of like something I have to say. and I don't know what it is, but I have to say it because if I let it go, I am not loving myself. I'm not loving the other person because they don't know. Like, I never know when people aren't upset at me or are upset at me because I'm just like oblivious to it unless you say it. But you're right. It's conversations with, I think it was a significant other that you're talking about. And even to each other, it's like, if you don't tell me the truth, you don't love me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if I choose to not tell you the truth, because I think you just don't need to hear it yet, I don't love you. Yeah. You know. That's a good perspective to have. And I don't think a lot of people live by that, unfortunately. It's, it's tough. Like, it really is, because you do have to know yourself and know a little bit about what you stand for to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Oh, th- those conversations always hurt. Yeah. <laughs> the worst. No, I don't remember that, but... Yeah. I can see me saying that. So. Yeah. But you got to go? How long do these things last? I think. Um, I mean, we're at an hour of 15. We can wrap it up. I think Brian's hungry. I'm uh, probably hungry, too. Okay. Well, let's let's wrap it up here, then. We'll we, do part two. Yeah, we would love to have you come back on, Mimi. You're a great guest to have, for sure. Thank you. Do you get any last words, Austin? No. No. All right. Good. Well, we appreciate you, Mimi. Thank You're- you for having me. Great guest, great mentor, and we'll see everybody in the next one.